0: Do you trust the banks? Do you trust the politicians? The majority of people, not all, but the majority of people say, no, they're a bunch of crooks, but what can we do about it? And there's so much information out there now that if you took the time to read it, yeah, it might make your hair curl and it might make you feel quite angry and upset, but it's really important to get that understanding for yourself. You're listening to Getting It Wrong to Get It Right.
1: On today's episode, we are thrilled to have Claire Darwish, a seasoned Bitcoin enthusiast. Claire went from having a thriving business to going bust. But on the road to recovery, she started to look at cryptocurrencies and felt it was something that bloomers needed to know more about. And hence, Bitcoin for bloomers was created. Claire, welcome to the show. What made you wake up and realize? it was something that you needed to look at and then investigate into?
0: Oh, that's a good question, Joe. I think when I started to take it really seriously, it was that was prompted by my... I have two sons, and back in 2017, they were in their late 20s, and they started to talk to me about Bitcoin and also about cryptocurrencies in general. Now, this is something that I... I was there right at the very start in 2009. I think it was January the 3rd was the very start. The first, uh, the, I'm not sure if that was the launch of the the, the white paper, the Bitcoin white paper, uh, which is available free of charge online, or that's when the first Bitcoin was mined. So 2009 to now, that's a fair wee bit. We're talking 14, 15 years. I was interested in it and I was asking, you know, talking to my sons about it because the young ones, you think, well, They'll know all about it, and they were really negative, really resistant. It's a scam. It's a this that we don't know what it is. Um, don't go near it, mum. So, but the people who were talking about it, I had known for quite some time. And one of the the author of the first book that ever mentioned Bitcoin was a young man called Simon Dixon. And Simon was a, an investment banker. He worked in um, in the London Stock Exchange. And he was a market maker, so he was making a lot of money. He was in his early 20s, he was just a young man. He was making a lot of money for a lot of high-net-worth clients. And he knew within a couple of years that the monetary system that he was working in was not really very honest or fair. In fact, it was pretty corrupt. And having got a master's in economics, uh, he also felt that the the textbook's uh, explanation of economics didn't fit today's market today's climate um, because we've all seen rises and falls over the years have happened for centuries but he felt there's something wrong here I'm not comfortable about it now at the same time his father who was a self-made millionaire had really worked hard throughout his life and and made a lot of money he he got stung in the dot-com bubble which was at the beginning of the 2000s so he lost everything and he asked his son Simon What is going on? What did I do wrong? And can you find out, is there a better way to do this? Because the monetary system seems to be very corrupt. You know, good people are getting wiped out over and over again. And Simon devoted, he decided he was going to try and and reform the banking system. And by the time we got to 2010, he'd written a book called Bank to the Future. Now we were connected on a business network somewhere in the UK then, and I was involved in property and I was doing really well in property. I was getting money hand over fist, I was building a big property portfolio, ended up with about 30 rental properties. I started a property networking club. I was, in, I was helping people, other people like me, ordinary people, um, to you know get onto the property ladder. Which was becoming very popular at the time. The banks were inviting me to speak to their clients. Their clients were um, lawyers, solicitors, who were dealing with the you know people who had died, passed on. I can't remember the word now, um, and uh, accountants and financial advisors saying we're we are we have got investment housing loans. So I got into the market right at the start of that boom in the early 2000s. and. I had a fantastic experience for about 10 years. And then, boom, 2008, everything crashed. And I, along with many, many others, got wiped out. Now, at that time, I had invested, I had acquired a fair bit of money. I was very, very confident about what I was doing. And I decided to go into property development and I put up a lot of money. I had two major high street banks fighting to get the deal, it was a multi million pound deal. And in the end, I went with one bank, and a year later, it was all gone. And and my contribution, my own um, financial contribution that I had to put in, which was not unsubstantial, it was a lot of money, it disappeared. So I got knocked sideways, and it was very, very painful for me. Now, at the same time, I started to hear about this Bitcoin thing, and I thought, this looks interesting. And because I know Simon Dixon... And I bought his book, I was one of the first people to buy his book, um, that mentioned Bitcoin, Bank to the Future, Protect Your Wealth Before Governments Go Bust. This was back in 2010, 2011. Uh, he talked about the Great Depression of the 2020s. So I'm interested. I'm scarred, I'm bruised, because I've just been knocked sideways by the bank and I realise I, I don't understand what's going on here. But I was too scared to get involved because, well, number one, I was broke. Um, I was trying to keep a roof over my head and uh, they, you know, feed my children. And so I wasn't in the right place.
1: Something that a lot of people aren't aware of, of you know, 2006 or 2009, when we had the, the recession right across the world, a lot of people who had mortgages and who were of a certain age got really hit with what happened then. And those people are still today in financial difficulties and will never get out of it because there was a generation there. But what people have to be really clear and understand, when all the houses and the mortgages and everything, when the banks crashed, the insurance companies kicked in and they paid the bank's For all those mortgages so the banks are actually double dipping when they're chasing and looking for people so these vulture funds that are now in the likes of Ireland that are claiming and asking people for money it's double dipping because they got paid out on the insurance already and that's an important statement and fact that people need to realize so Moving forward as we go into the 2020, it's people like you and people like myself were starting to really understand what the banking system is and how it's, it is an entrapment for ourselves. And even the word mortgage, I think it means slavery debt in French or something. So just yes. I just want to just clarify that with the audience as well.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent, Joe, a hundred percent. And unfortunately for me, uh, you know, I was sort of on cloud nine. Everything was, was everything in the garden was rosy. I loved what I was doing. I was, you know, I started my letting agency. Um, it, it grew very, very quickly. I loved putting the tenants and the landlords together. Then I started sourcing properties for investors, quite a few from Ireland, actually, who are still friends today. And, um, So, and then I got into this development. It was a big development on a golf course. And I thought, well, this is a million, these are million pound homes. They shouldn't be affected by any um, sort of decline in the property market. Millionaires don't want to live in suburbia. You know, they want to live on the golf course. And so it didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me. So I went down this rabbit hole and honestly, I cried for about nine months. I couldn't believe what was happening. I'm turning up at the at the door saying, "You know, can you help me pay my rent, pay my mortgage?" So, anyway, fast forward. So the Bitcoin thing comes mm-hmm. in, and I'm starting to realize this whole system's corrupt. It's nothing new. Now today, you know, if you ask your, your your listeners, you know, do you trust the banks? Do you trust the politicians? The majority of people, not all, but the majority of people, say, "No, they're a bunch of crooks." But what can we do about it? And there's so much information out there now that if you took the time to read it, yeah, it might make your hair curl and it might make you feel quite angry and upset. I've gone through the, the, the five stages of grief when I found out what was going on. But it's really important to get that understanding for yourself because now, to me, I've realised that um, it's unlikely that we will be able to uh, change the system in in my lifetime. And even for the next generation or two, because it's so entrenched and it goes back thousands of years. It's not a new thing. Ever dreamed of having your own podcast? Look no further. Our comprehensive podcast course will guide you through the process of building your reputation, growing your brand, and connecting with your network. With our course, you'll learn everything you need to know about creating a successful podcast, including choosing the right equipment, crafting engaging content, recording and editing techniques marketing and promotion strategies, and many more. Whether you're a seasoned podcaster or just starting out, our course is designed to help you take your podcast to the next level. Don't miss out on this opportunity to build your brand and connect with your audience. Enroll in our course today.
1: Like It's interesting you say that because you, you were spot on about when you do start to look up at these things and stop taking what politicians are saying and stop actually listening to what mainstream media is telling you because it's all sort of like one-sided and you start looking at things yourself yeah you kind of like even i didn't sleep for weeks because of sure. the worry and of what i what i was learning and was going, Oh my god is it really this corrupt and yes it yeah, was
0: yeah.
1: and one what i'm learning and that's why it's great having you on there's there seems to be a movement and more people are starting to ask questions and the two things that are really popping up is digital currency and yeah. decentralized currency as yes. well which is fascinating
0: yes it is and this is for for me personally um i feel i feel so confident about this now um i've learned so much about it but back in t- 2017 my sons were when they started talking about it i thought okay i'm, I'm just going to get in and about like 100 quids worth or something like that and i forgot about it um i knew i had to secure it so i put it into um a, a hard wallet and then I forgot about it for a year or two, and then when I went back and looked at it, I thought, "Oh, this is interesting." But throughout that um, time, it kept popping up, kept popping up, and I thought, what, "What's the difference between centralized and decentralized? What's, just, what's a digital? What's digital money? Well, we're using money digitally. You use most people use a card, or you use your Apple Watch, or you use your phone. Very few people are using cash." Of course, right at the start of this journey, I realised that only 3% of the actual currency, the cash, uh, the the money that we use, is in cash. Only 3% around the world. So most of the financial transactions are done digitally anyway. But what's this new digital economy? What's this cryptocurrency? Now, I did actually go back in in 2020 and then went and got the white paper and I thought I'll need to read this because I've continued to follow Simon Dixon, people like Max Kaiser, and then people like Michael Saylor comes on the scene in the early 2020 because at the start of the pandemic, Michael Saylor, for people who don't know who he is, he's one of the major uh, fund management firms, um, MicroStrategy, very, very successful. And at the start of the pandemic, he realised we've got a problem here because All these businesses are going to the wall. What's happened to the economy? Inflation is going to go through the roof. What are we going to do? And so he called a board meeting, a Zoom meeting, and said to his crew, any of you heard about Bitcoin. Do you understand what cryptocurrencies are? And of course, they all said no. And he said, I'm going to send you three videos and 10 papers, documents. Let's go through that and we'll reconvene and we'll decide whether we're going to give this a go. And today, Michael Saylor is one of the biggest advocates for Bitcoin. Now, there's a difference between Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is the original one. That started it on the Genesis block back in 2009. Uh, 2010, and uh, since then there's been there's hundreds of them now, and most of them are scams. Most of them will just disappear. The jokes, um, it's a bit of fun. There are one or two that have a value, that have a utility, but the only real uh, the the real asset that is now actually recognised as a commodity by the Securities and Exchange Commission, who control regulate the, the stock market and investment market, is Bitcoin right so for me it's the king and the blockchain technology on which it's built is is what all, the other coins have actually copied because it's open source so you know it's it's free available and the and the individual or the group of individuals who brought it to the market have gone quiet so it's there for people to to use to learn about and to drive it forward so there's a thing called hyper bitcoinization which means When enough people like you and I get behind it, it could eventually become the sort of global currency. It could be a currency that everybody can use. The benefits of it are that there's about two and a half billion people on the planet today that don't even have a bank account. They don't qualify. But most of them have a mobile phone. So if you have a mobile phone, you can open a wallet. These these applications are all free. You can learn how to secure it. And you can buy some and you can buy $5 worth, $500 worth, $5 million worth.
1: It's quite interesting as well because what we're noticing is there is, especially in Ireland, there is a big movement on cash. And there's people who are now going to going out and taking out cash and spending it. And there's shops saying cash only there are people who are no longer using self checkouts at supermarkets, they're queuing up because they're going, you know, it's Mm -hmm. taking away jobs. But also with that movement, they're going, okay, if digital currency comes in, which will be run by the central banks, people's freedoms are completely gone. And governments are really trying to stop Bitcoin, and they're trying to stop all these different currencies, the decentralized currencies, because they know that if people are using the Ds, that they're losing taxes and revenue. So it's quite interesting to see this develop. What are your thoughts, or what is baby boomers thinking about it? Because when I speak to people... You know, they go. Oh, I can't be dealing with that. That's the old codswallop. What's the response been over the last year or so with people?
0: Um, I'm finding more and more people are coming to me now and asking for support, and um, mainly women. <laughs> mainly women. So I think women are are more risk averse. They're more careful with their money, and so they know they can send to. We have an intuitive. Um, you know, feeling towards certain things that are happening on the planet, don't always voice it. But women are, more and more women are now beginning to realise, hang on a wee minute, you know, I've got really good friends who are a lot older, very, very worried about having, if you have more than 80, well, here in the UK, 85,000 pounds, I think in Ireland it's um, it 150,000 euros, you're a bit more, you get a bit more, um, Australia, Australia, And the US, it's certainly $250,000. That is the government guarantee that if a bank collapses, they will bail you out. But I can tell you from the years working in, from my networking days in property, the government lifeboats fill the holes as well. You know, so how they're going to uh, if the banks did collapse, and this is what people are hearing. There's there's all these rumblings that the banks are collapsing, and of course in April between April and May five big banks went under, and so there is a cause for concern there. Naturally, nobody wants to lose their hard-earned money, and certainly when you get to this stage, I mean uh, the boomers, uh, we're labelled as well. We're 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 scooping up, all. we're loaded now, we're much better off and all the rest of it and the young ones can't go in the property ladder. But they don't give um, any attention to the fact that we've worked for 40 or 50 years and worked damn hard to acquire assets because that's what we're taught, that's what we're told to do. And um and during you know, in the early days, there was a lot of information coming out of Ireland about farmers having their land just confiscated by the banks, even though they had documentation saying that you know everything had been paid off. But most farmers are tenants and a lot of them are mortgaged. The like farm equipment's not cheap. And um it's heartbreaking to see this, that people didn't understand what the rights were and all the rest of it. So it's all part of the mix. So today we've got Bitcoin, which is a decentralized Find uh, source of of money. It's just the electronic cash. It's just the, a way of of people peer to peer. We can, I can send money to uh, a friend in Australia. Or I could send some money over to you, Joe, in in pay you in euros uh, or in Bitcoin, and you can tr- then sell that and get euros for it. But that transaction would take no longer than ten minutes. It would be confirmed within an hour. If I had to do go to the bank and do an international bank transfer, it would, it would cost me twenty five quid for a start. And then it would take two or three days to get to your bank account. So we're circumventing. This is what I want to get, across. Really, it's a way, there's nothing illegal about it. It's perfectly legal, but it's unconfiscatable and it's unregulatable. So the governments can't control it because it's the people who buy it that control it. We decide what we're doing with it. There's a lot of negative news. You have to go and find out for yourself, who do you believe? Dig a little bit deeper. You usually find that most of that negative news is scaremongering because this is a huge threat. It's also a great opportunity. For us to be able to circumvent, we can take some of the money out of the dirty system, the corrupt system, and we can convert it into something that's new, innovative, freeing, it's exciting, and it's scarce. Because there are only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin mined. There's already been 19 million mined. And about 4 million have been lost. They're sitting on hard drives and computers in a rubbish dump somewhere. And how does that work? Believe me, well,
1: it The one off. thing that, let's call it, the establishment want, they want everyone to own nothing and be happy Absolutely. and basically be feeding off the system for everything. And when you're relying on a system for everything, you lose some of your freedom. Or you lose all your freedom because you're frightened that this lifeline of su- survival will be cut. so they're fearful of bitcoin and other currencies but when the banks go and all these other places which a lot of people believe that they are screwed and the government's bailing them out again and we're back to this thing that happened back in 2009 is are we going down a road where it's only either going to be a currency which we believe now is dropping in value every year or are we going to be really depending on the likes of bitcoin and that's just if you hold that And the other question i have as well a lot of people when they try to get involved in it there's a learning curve about wallets and how to set them up that they just get overwhelmed with it and try to decide
0: yes. yes they do um and that's not well look there's lots of commentators out there and lots of people pitching do this do that do the next thing buy my program get my coin you know we'll have a brit coin coming out soon if the central bank digital currencies do finally get to the market which is a threatening and i think they've been working on it for years so it's we're we'll only just starting to hear about it but you can Bet your life. I remember when I was in, in Australia two years ago, hearing Rishi Sunak, who's now the Prime Minister of Britain, talking about the central bank digital currencies, the CBDCs. So they're coming. They're coming, whether you like it or not. The majority of people will probably go along with it. The government might even offer an incentive. You know, we'll give you a thousand pounds in your account, a thousand euros, if you switch over to uh, digital to the central bank digital currency. That's different from Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a standalone. No one controls it. There's no boardroom. There's no individuals. There's no, It's just ordinary people. But the wallet situation, the confusion is that you need to be a little bit technical. So for me, a lot of being older, a lot of my friends have said, you know, will you help me? And then I said, okay, sit down. Let's go and get a coffee. And um, you got your phone? Download that app. Okay. Um, let me send you. Give me your wallet address. Where do I find that? Click there. All right. And then I just send them a fiver, <laughs> and, then, and they hear the money dropping, in. they go, and they hear it coming in, they go, oh wow. No, I mean, you I can, just leave now you can
1: here, buy isn't... me a coffee for that fiver. <laughs>
0: exactly. And so I've done that so many times, Joe, just to show how simple it is. But of course, like anything new, we have these psychological barriers. And that's the biggest challenge that I have, trying to help people overcome that. Now, it's getting easier because um, the first question I will ask people is, why, why are you interested? What do you want to know? Because I need to know, if I know a little bit about their background, then it makes it a lot easier for me to them, point them in the direction they need to go, rather than try and explain the whole thing. There's loads of books out there. Happy to, I've got on my website, I do recommend well, um,
1: a lot of good books. If, if you look at what happened in Lebanon, Lebanon basically just froze everybody's bank accounts and then mm-hmm. offered them something like 30% back. Yeah. But what they also did was stopped everyone using... Bitcoin so they made it that not illegal to actually use Bitcoin so everything went into the black market and also we can look at Nigeria what happened in Nigeria basically the banks stopped trading as well and you could see online people wrecking ATM machines so yeah When we talk about this, we think about our own countries or our own situations, whereas Ireland and England. But the reality is there are countries in in the world that are already being affected by the decision Mm -hmm. of the banks. And if these people didn't at least have a wallet of some sort as a backup, you'd be really screwed. So is it not just a case of going, okay, you're living in the real world. Reality is this. But have a wallet, have it all set up just in case.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's just common sense. That's just being prepared. Um, Because if 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 we don't trust the system, then it's incumbent on us to find our own way. You know, you can stockpile food. You can start growing your own food. There's always a solution to whatever the big concern is at the time. And of course, the the, the news media, the propaganda that's put out there, it's nothing new. Joe, back in the in the the Great Depression of the 1920s in America, they confiscated all the gold, right? And they said to everybody, "Okay, you're not allowed to have gold anymore. Should everybody bring you gold in? Otherwise, we're going to arrest you." And they gave them twenty. Dollars per for an ounce of gold, right? So the people said, "Oh well, at least we're getting something." Immediately, they then revalued the gold at thirty five dollars, so they made a killing. And that's how <laughs> that's and this is nothing new. When you start to look at this, and you'll see over and over and over again, and the same names keep popping up. Now the thing is, the banks are above the law. There isn't a, there isn't a, a law in the land anywhere in the world that can overtake. The, I think the the banking laws were repealed way back right in the day, and then of course when Nixon removed gold, the dollar from the gold standard in in um, nineteen and was it sixty? Uh, that was to create so that he could sixty six so that he could create more money to fund the Vietnam War. It was never that executive order was never repealed.
1: Look at the euro. Everyone pulls out and has a look at the euro note. It doesn't say currency on it. No. When we had the punt and the pound, it had the word currency.
0: And it's 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 just a it's a way of transacting business. We can exchange anything we want for uh for service or or um utility or food or whatever it is it's up to there's no law to prevent us from doing that but yeah, to get back to your point, it makes perfect sense. The majority of people are not going to go with but there's over a hundred million bitcoiners in the world um and I'm very much Bitcoin i'm not, interested in anything else i don't trade it i do not trade it i'm not into that i know a lot of people do that but i'm very very cautious now because of what happened to me i'm a risk taker i will go out there and try new things but i am very risk averse when it comes to money and i certainly don't trust the banks so accumulating little decimal the the thing i love about bitcoin is the way it's been created is that we can have a fraction of a bitcoin you don't need to own uh, you know, you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin at twenty-three thousand pounds or twenty-seven or... thousand dollars. That brings Go up on. a
1: question: okay. that Bitcoin last year was seventy thousand, yes. and then it dropped down to ten thousand or below, and now it's peaking up. And there's the thing that when I looked at coins and looked at you know the forex market as well no matter if they're in or out of a system, they're still driven by people's emotions. People get nervous they do one thing or the other. So being the height of over 70,000 and now dropping down, is it still too volatile? You know, I'm sure there's people who bought it at 70,000 and have lost everything because it dropped to pittance. How do we manage or look at it in such a way that we go, okay, this is a coin, or do we look at like a a stock without a cert? Do you follow what I'm trying to get at?
0: Yes, I do. Often ask this question. Um, now, what you're talking about there is what we call fiat thinking. We're thinking in the fiat currency uh, monetary terms that we've all okay. up with. Okay, in this digital economy there's a difference. The value is not in the price of Bitcoin. It's in the commodity itself. If you've got something that there's a limited supply of, is it going to become more valuable? If you look at art, if you look at a piece of art by I don't know Banksy, right? Uh, does he sell for a few hundred, a few thousand, or a few million now? Because there's only one Banksy. So the fact that there's only one Banksy and his work is unique Makes his art extremely valuable, right? So it's the same with Bitcoin. There's only ever going, we don't know how much gold is left on the planet. We don't know how much silver. These are valuable commodities as well. But the fact that the SEC has recognized and confirmed that Bitcoin is now a commodity, that should be a light bulb moment for a lot of people because it cannot be regulated. It cannot be confiscated and it's fully decentralized, so nobody's controlling it. Now, they will control, they can control, the, they can tax you on the profits that you make from it if and when you sell it. But the point I try to get across to people is, it's just a simple way to explain it, you have euros and cents, yeah, in Ireland. We've got pounds and pence. In Bitcoin world, we have have Bitcoin and Satoshis, and the Satoshis are the fractions of the Bitcoin. So I can buy 50 quids worth, 100 quids worth. I don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. And my goal is to acquire as many Satoshis, little nuggets, little Bitcoin nuggets as I can, because, and this is a longer term investment opportunity, this is not something that I want to be buying a pizza with or buying a coffee with. I'm not I'm not investing in it to use it uh, as an alternative to fiat. Obviously, you need your fiat money to pay your rent and buy your petrol and you know feed your kids. But this as an investment opportunity is quite different. Now, the volatility is another thing, again, okay, in, in the markets, if you know anything about stock markets, you need volatility. The, the, the traders, when the price is high, um, and it, that's when most traders will buy, and when it starts to fall, that's when they'll sell, and that's how they lose. But the investors will wait until the price falls. So every time Bitcoin dips, it goes to it's at twenty seven today. It might be twenty six tomorrow, twenty five. I'll buy another, be whatever it is, whatever I've got. It's be a fifty quid, a hundred quid. You don't need a lot of money to get started.
1: Do you suggest that people buy, you know, fifty euros a month, you know, yes. fifty pound yes. a month, just to and just to get used to it?
0: Yes. And to do that on a regular basis, that's a that's um that's called dollar cost averaging. So there are statistics that show that if you if you took um you, let's say you had five thousand pounds, you could buy a thousand pounds a month of Bitcoin for the next five months, or you could just buy five thousand pounds worth today, but or euros. But the statistics statistically, when you look back, it will show that. People who bought a thousand a month will make maybe forty percent more than somebody who buys it, at, you know, on, on day one. So there is be a bit of education, and I, my, always encourage people to just start small. To start small, buy a hundred pounds. If you can afford a hundred pounds a week, go for it. If you can afford hundred pound a day, go for it. But don't don't spend any more than you can afford to uh that, you, that you're comfortable with and break it up into small buy it regularly i spoke to a friend of mine in australia yesterday she's been acquiring it every month she puts on an automatic so her but some banks are not will not allow you the threat is so great they will not allow you
1: that there's banks yeah. actually stopping people from buying, yeah, buying bitcoin it. and yeah. you're kind of going hang on it's my money and they're going oh no we're putting these blocks in." to protect you. And people go,
0: well, you're not protecting me, it's mine. I know, know, especially older people because they think you're going to get caught up in a scam and that's understandable because there are a lot lot of people who've got caught up in scams. So you can't go into it, it's not wise to go into it, just, oh, right, okay, I'll have a go and see what happens. Do a little bit of research, there's lots of great information out there, get comfortable with it, speak to other people about it. There's so much information uh, coming out now. There are maps now showing you where you can actually spend if you wanted to buy, a, I don't know, a motorbike or if you wanted to get a house builder who would, was happy to accept Bitcoin. Can you pay your pay for your house in Bitcoin? Of course you can, as long as that... Because that, you're really just exchanging it from fiat into Bitcoin and then when you need it, if you need to pull it out, you can sell it and then transfer the money back into your bank account and use it again. So... To me, the, the holistic aspect of this, which is what really gets me excited, is I'm taking something that has got this dirty, tarnished, um, you know, energy around it, and I'm converting it into something new, and clean, and exciting that people own. It's not owned by the banks. It's not controlled by the governments. That's the exciting part of it. It doesn't. It does. T- it's a complex subject, Joe. It's not easy to explain to people. So what
1: what you'd be saying is. You know, learn about it, try yeah. it, educate yeah. yourself and yes. see where it goes. There's people that spend 50 quid a, m- a month on a lunch, you know, or on a week <clears> on a lunch. So, you know, learn about it because it's fascinating. Have we left anything out?
0: Oh, gosh, it's such a big topic. I could talk about this, but I was joe there's 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 plenty to them well, you've um, got about five minutes <laughs> i know i know but i think the biggest thing the message i want to get across to people is to if you are concerned about your money in the bank you're quite right to be so if you want some help uh reach out there's plenty of really good people out there there's some fantastic michael stela simon dixon is now my mentor i actually used some of the money some of the profits from my bitcoin investments a couple of years ago and i i did a um simon has a a website called retirement plan b there are four fantastic free videos there that gives so much information and i have watched them over and over again so you can go there i actually um then paid for the course and i i did say to him when one of the calls can i pay in bitcoin yes sure and i just did it there and then and i it was a, It's a tough course. I'm not going to recommend I'm not suggesting anybody goes and does that right away. But certainly from my point of view, it's given me comfort. It's given me confidence. And it's given me a much clearer understanding of how the whole system works. Because the banking system is in a very, very fragile situation right now. Even Deutsche Bank that had to be pulled out, you know. And you hear these stories about banks being sold for a pound. What's that about? Oh, my goodness. There's a the kind of worms we could discuss in another time. <laughs> but um, once you understand how it works, then you can say, OK, well, I can see there's all this crappy stuff going on over here. I'm going that way. But not with everything. You're not going all in. You're just going to take a little bit, small steps. And then as you become more and more confident, you'll see over time, too, that the price is always going to fluctuate. It doesn't matter. The value is in the quantity that you're holding, not the price of the commodity uh, you know, today or tomorrow or next year.
1: Dip your feet in. He's, dip your toe in, to yeah. Dip your toe in. Tell me, what did you get wrong to get right?
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, we started off talking about my journey in uh, property, um, in property investment property. Now, listen, Joe, I was a single mum. I've raised my kids from a very young age. Um, they're now in their 30s, but I've been on moon with my two children for since they were only babies, toddlers. So I had a hard slog and when I started that business uh, it was a bit of a divine intervention because I had a little conversation one night and I said can't live like this any longer what am I going to do and this is when I got the idea to get into property. No money, didn't have any money, didn't even have a mobile phone but I had the idea and it just kept coming to me and I thought I've got to follow this up and I started that business. Now it took off very very quickly um, I was speaking to lots of people. I had 80, 90, 100 people every month coming to the Edinburgh, the Marriott Hotel in Edinburgh. It was phenomenal. It was, an, But what I didn't do was take, I didn't protect my money. I still trusted the banks because it was so easy for me to get money. from. Them. I didn't even get mortgages. i just phone them out and get another business term loan. I mean, it was amazing. I should write a book on that. But what I didn't do was I didn't protect myself and I didn't, make sure, I thought this is going to keep going. This this is a joyride. It's just going to keep going. It's not going to cut. And then wham. And I lost a lot. So uh, thankfully I had a good accountant who advised me about bankruptcy rules that they're there to protect you, clear, keep your home, look after your kids. Um, but it was a very painful experience. And I also realised that while I was riding high, money was going through my hands like water. It was like, you know, anything the kids wanted. If I wanted this car, if I wanted it, I didn't appreciate the value of money. Now it's really hard to get me to spend everything. go like, do you want to go for this? No, no, I'll just buy some more Bitcoin. It's down today. So that's the kind of, that's what I've learned. Um, it's we're responsible for our money. We have to take responsibility for our money. We have to be self-sufficient. We cannot rely on the government or the banks or anyone else, even with health matters. There's so much more we could go into here with, you know, people that have come out of this um, and are now helping other people. Another great resource is Bitcoin University on YouTube, Matthew Craddock. Fantastic. But what about
1: your own, your own site? Oh,
0: well, your if- my own website. <laughs> my own website. So I set up a wee website called breakingfree.club, breakingfree.club, Um, My domain name is Bitcoin for Boomers, and really the goal is to educate people in as gentle a way as I can. So there are some really good resources. I know that you're a fan of Greg uh, Greg Braden. Greg Braden did a lecture a year ago in October last year. Greg was a coder, uh, a computer scientist. I've got that background as well. And there's a fantastic lecture on there explaining what Bitcoin is. You know, humanity is ready for breaking through and uh, it is all about taking responsibility, taking control and not giving your power away. So this, to me, Bitcoin is a way to empower yourself. And so on the website, I've got little bits of information that hopefully are simple. People can also um, book a, a, a free consultation just to talk about it, you know, just to get more information. You can do that through the website. And I do a little bit of handholding Holding as well for people that want to take the next step so that we can get you on board safely and then help you to get comfortable with it and lots of support there i love it that's what i love doing
1: claire thank you for coming on the show
0: thank you joe my pleasure